0: Hello, my name is Patricia Rozwora, and you're listening to Kitchen Conversations. This podcast aims to open up the mysterious and vague Eastern Bloc to a broader audience. For each episode, I'm inviting one artist or researcher, and together we explore their relation, interest, and urgency to create within the framework of the post Soviet sphere. to Stefan Ionescu Ambrosia, a Romanian writer and researcher currently residenting in the sunny Barcelona. Uh, Stefan um, studied uh, architecture and urbanism in Bucharest and later American Studies and North American Studies, uh, both in Bucharest and Groningen. His work uh, was published, among others, in Kayet Journal, Hinterlands Magazine, Intersections Journal of American Studies and Norient. He also uh, has a blog uh, called Prasnumen, where he writes uh, on cinema, books, video games, music and dance. Today, during our Kitchen Conversations, uh, we will mainly uh, speak about two contemporary trends in Romania. uh, The new wave in cinema and the Manele subculture. Apart from uh, in detail discussing what those two trends are, uh, we will also speak about their healing potential, the healing of uh, uh, intergenerational trauma and more. Uh, please welcome Stefan Ionescu Ambrosi. Uh, welcome, Stefan, to Kitchen Conversations. Uh, thanks so much for writing me and um, showing an interest in taking part. Um, yeah, thank
1: you for having me. Uh,
0: you are now in Spain, yes?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: How is the weather there?
1: Uh, it's uh, <laughs> amazing. Is it's, it? Uh, yeah, it's about uh, twenty degrees. Um, I think next week it's going to be twenty degrees Celsius. Uh, right now it's pretty sunny right? I've got uh, palm trees and parrots outside my window.
0: Amazing. Nice uh, to imagine for the people who will listen. (laughs) At least some people have good weather. I'm in Amsterdam so weather Uh, uh, same grey as usual.
1: I don't envy you there.
0: Uh, So uh, when you wrote to me, uh, you expressed an interest uh, in speaking uh, in particular about uh, one of your uh, research uh, Mm -hmm. about uh, two contemporary uh, trends uh, in Romania. Uh, the Romanian New Wave in cinema and uh, Manela subculture, mm-hmm. the music. Uh, so I think that will be the core of our conversation. But uh, since you're a writer and researcher, uh, I would love to uh, yeah, get to know m- more of your thoughts on other topics as well. Whenever uh, there is something, please share also uh, some of your other works, some of your previous works. This one is the most recent one from what I, from what yeah. I uh, know. Um, and before we uh, start uh, a bit more contextualizing and uh, also letting people know what these two things are, because also I think the new wave is a bit more known to the outsider, let's say, uh, but uh, the Manele uh, subculture is a bit more uh, underground. Can I say that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, in in the sense that I guess uh internationally the new wave is well known, right? Like pe- people actually watch these movies. Uh some people here in Spain ask me about Romanian cinema. They're really interested in it, but they they've never heard about Manele, right? It's it's something that that um, a lot of Romanians know about. I would say all I say everyone in Romania knows about Manele, right? But they kind of, you know, don't want to hear about it. So, yeah, 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 yeah. We it's will get, underground, but yeah. overground at the same time.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah. We will get into that uh, for sure into in detail. Uh, but when reading some of your texts, uh, you wrote about um, Manele uh, in the a third issue of Kayet Journal, also in Orient, and as well um, you wrote an essay uh, for your degree on it. And Mm -hmm. in all of those texts, I noticed that you mentioned the Romanian Revolution as um, somehow a reference point of like this moment where something has changed. Uh, Usually, of course, this is an important uh, year, the 1989 for a lot of uh, yeah, Soviet, post-Soviet countries, right? Uh, but yeah. you specifically talk about this revolution, which uh, just took a few days from what I know. But I think it would be interesting to, to start about that. And why is it important for you to, to mention this moment in history when talking about those contemporary trends?
1: Yeah, it, because it's this, it's this watershed moment that, that casts a long shadow. Right. It's, um, in a sense, it is a, a traumatic event because it was so bloody, right? It was br- brutally repressed, um, about a thousand or so people died, and I guess compared to the other revolutions in Eastern Europe, th- this, was the, this was by far the bloodiest, right? I mean, other countries were very chill and kumbaya about it, right? And meanwhile in Romania, you got tanks, you got bullets. And if you take a stroll through Bucharest, you can still see bullet holes, right? And of course, a lot of a lot of plaques, you know, with uh, martyrs. Um, but it's it's this defining event, right? And I I was born after the revolution, right? A, a few years after the revolution, mm-hmm. and I remember it sort of de- defining my myself, right? Like my. My experience of being Romanian, or whatever, f- feeling myself as part of a, a community, right? Because my parents would, would talk about it. They talk about Ceausescu. They talk about the regime, and I, I don't know. It's uh, it's something that that not a lot of people understand, really. I mean, I I have trouble sort of organizing the the events in my head. Because there were a few other moments after re- the revolution, like a revolution 2.0, that a lot of people don't know about. I, I think in the West, right, um, and that was also pretty bloody, right? It was it was not a self-contained event um, by any means, but we actually discussed this um, during the, the masters. Like we showed us videos of Chávez's last speech, right, when he was interrupted and then you get this this void like the camera pans out right it's you, you can't see Ceausescu anymore but you can hear like people screaming and you know it's it's all like shrouded in this this mystery right like
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: and in terms of yeah in terms of the, the new wave uh, i think a lot of the movies try to come to terms with what happened after this this breaking point during this breaking point, but also like the communist, communist era. So it's uh, sort of like trying to exercise personal demons, I think, or demons on a, on a national level. So that's why I think um, the new wave is, is pretty interesting for, for Romanians and for you know, international audiences.
0: Is this uh, a historical event a common knowledge in Romania? Do you learn about it in, uh, in school?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't really not know about the revolution, uh, I think. There are a lot of other things that you don't um, learn about, right, or that are not emphasized enough, I guess, in schools or high schools. Um, for example, uh, the slavery of the Roma, right, which ties in with what we'll be discussing about, about yes. Manele, right? Um, and a lot of other things, I mean, um, the fascist movement in Romania, right, the Holocaust, we don't discuss it enough, so much so that we get, you know, we get a movie about Roma slavery, Aferim, and we also get a movie about, about the Holocaust, which might be, I think it's probably the, the f- first uh, post-revolution movie about the Holocaust, I don't know, like that like, mentions it specifically and mentions our involvement in in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Thanks for um, for your extensive uh, answer. I I actually didn't know much about it, so also that was a bit more like a personal curiosity. <laughs> yeah. uh, and now, uh, yeah, uh, speaking about the new wave and Manele, uh, I'm of course curious. Why did it uh, interest you so much to write so much about it through some years now, I think? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you can just uh, say what is there in for you?
1: Well, um, Manele are really interesting because when you grow up, this this aversion to manele is inculcated in you by the people around you, by your parents, by your you know your parents' friends, whatever you know. School, school friends. You know uh, when I was a kid, you know you you were told you shouldn't listen to hip hop and Manila, right? These were the, the two taboos, at least at least for me. Um, but of course, in high school, I started listening to to hip hop, and in college, um, I started thinking about Manila seriously. Um, I was like, wait a minute, why why don't I listen to Manele? right? Because Lyrically, uh, they're actually, in a sense, less offensive than, than hip-hop, right? They, they use a lot of euphemisms, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of these songs are actually well, par- uh, family-friendly in the sense that you can play them at a party and they don't have, like, very offensive words, right? So I was like, why why do people hate Manila so much, right? Because in college, we, we started listening to Manila in in sort of a very liberated fashion, like, like embracing the campiness, embracing the kitsch, because it is, it is very kitsch, it is very campy, right? Yeah. But it's, it's just so fun, right? P- people love Manela because they're not, they're not self-aware, you know, they don't have this self-consciousness, they're like 100% emotion, right? And they're not, they're not ashamed to, to speak their mind, um but the reason why people hate Manele is because of racism, right uh, towards the Roma community. And also because this this music is not necessarily like like Romani music, or what we would call Loterasca, which is technically like like folklore, more like flamenco, which which people do like, they they would not be actively against it, right But Manele's songs, Sound like sound like very Ottoman music, right? It sounds like they're you know like Turkish pop. They always make these allusions to uh, to the Orient, right? Mm-hmm. They they self Orientalize themselves. They use darbukas, right? And, what is that? Um, you know, like this sort of uh, sort of drum. You know, for example, for for Turkish pop, you know, you would have a drum. I am um, oh, yeah. yeah. So to, to give give off that Middle Eastern vibe, so that that's also something very uh, that I found very peculiar about about Manele that it it sounds like it's from another world, uh, not just spatially but also temporally, right? It it sounds like Romania from a few hundred years ago, right? From uh, from the eighteenth century when you know the Ottomans were recalling the shots and sending people from Constantinople to be, you know, the rulers of the principalities, right? And you'd have a lot of Greek influences, a lot more Byzantine influences back then, right? So I guess people, people don't want to be re- reminded of this kind of past, in, mm-hmm. in a sense. So it's the racism plus, plus this special pet peeve, I guess, this historical pet peeve.
0: How old is, uh, is the genre? When when did it start uh, being yeah in the public realm?
1: Well, um, I mean, they can trace it back to the 18th century. I mean, the term, right, Maná, Manéle. Um, but what's, what might be called Manéle today, right, started evolving during the, the regime. So you would already have sort of proto Manila singers, right? Like they sound very, uh, very harmless, right? Compared to Manila today, right? They sound kind of cute and old school, but I guess in the nineties and two thousands, that's when people started paying attention. Like the mainstream was like, well, wait, wait a minute. What's this, what's happening? Right? Because after v- revolution, these Manela artists called Manelisht, you know, they started just proliferating or started appearing out of, out of nowhere with these fancy names and these outrageous and flamboyant personalities and, and weird songs. And people were like, well, what is happening? You know, but in, in a sense, that, that's what makes them exhilarating, right? It's this sort of, um, sort of kind of psychedelic quality to it. Right, like it's it's not this world; it's not the real world. It's it's this fantasy world that they've created.
0: And for you, was it uh, you said it was something you started listening when you were uh, young, a person, also with your friends, starting to discover it. But is it something you kind of have to look for, or is it is this music played, let's say, in the bus or in the bar?
1: Well. Mm, maybe maybe some bars, right? But on public pr- transportation, there have been um, quite a few bans, right? So Manele, you're not allowed to play Manele in taxis, on on buses. Um, I think the city of Timișoara and also the city of Cluj had some bans. At least in Timișoara, it was it was banned from playing at any outdoor events, right? Even like barbecues, right? Mm-hmm. So. It's this, this, this The hatred is, is such that they need to eliminate it completely from the public sphere. But everyone knows about Manele, which is so ironic, right? Everyone's heard a Manele song, and they usually get played at parties, right? That's, that's the cliche, you know, the, the usual anecdote uh, when it comes to Manele, that you, they play them at parties, you have to be extremely drunk, Right, because then people, you know, their inhibitions start melting and they start dancing to Manela. They're like, oh, this music is actually amazing. I want to dance to it. And the next day they're like, no, no, no. I, I only danced to Manele because I was drunk, okay? <laughs> so, so this is like a, a cliche, right? They, they only admit to listening to Manele ironically because the, the lyrics are, whatever, kitschy or that they were too drunk and therefore they didn't have their, their senses
0: yeah, and uh, what do they actually sing about? Because it, there's quite a lot of lyrics in this music, right?
1: Yeah. Um, well, they they have some things in common with hip hop, right? They they sing about you know money, sex, influence, their enemies. So in in Romanian, this word uh, this word sounds funny now because it's usually the word used in in one other songs dushman right my all oh, my enemies
0: mm-hmm. they
1: they they get sick right they they got like liver disorders because they envy me so much which would be the literal translation right it's all about making your enemies envious of what you have right they they die not because you're you're in the mafia and you shoot them up but they they die in the hospital because you you know, you stress them out so much with your wealth and opulence, right? And the lyrics are hilarious sometimes, but they, they mean it. They're serious. And that's, that's why people love them because they're just so fun, right? They, if you translate them, all the magic is gone, right? Yeah. It's, it's just the way they take certain trends from Western pop music, like, you know, reggaeton and also trap nowadays you know, it keeps evolving and it keeps getting way more flamboyant and bombastic, right? The, the the lyrics are, I guess, are what what make Manele what they are, right? Not just the the darbuka sounds and Middle Eastern sounds, but the fact that they are sometimes ridiculous, but in a very entertaining way.
0: Mm-hmm. And who is the? Is there like a? target group of like who is, for who is this music or like who is actually listening so who is the audience of it then
1: well this, this music is generally popular among let's say like working class um, people of working class backgrounds people of uh, Roma back backgrounds right and now these sort of left leaning uh, hipsters in in the major cities in Romania right they listen to Manele in a sense, like, um, in solidarity, you know, with the target audience, in a way.
0: I can observe this trend quite a lot <laughs> to take mm-hmm. something, yeah, like, a lot of uh, those uh, cultural things are appropriated, or, you yeah, not appropriated, but maybe uh, being supported and by, by left-leaning uh, um, activists in a way of support, but then, yeah, there's, I think, yeah, some, I guess it's, some exactly, proga- it's, problematics in that as well.
1: Yeah, but there is something problematic about it. I mean, sure, there's, there's this good part about embracing it um, through a sort of reverse elitism, right? So, yes, class or solidarity, and then you play them at, at parties and you embrace them for what they are. Uh, but... You know this happens a lot this has happened with uh, all music genres right jazz
0: of course rock and roll
1: they get co-opted by let's say the white man right it's usually the case Elvis comes along and all of a sudden it's oh we really like this this genre all along mm-hmm. but with Manele, it's I don't know it's just not happening. Uh, I don't. I don't see it happening. I don't see this appropriation happening anytime soon because the, I don't know. The hatred is just so much. You know, so so intense. In, I mean, recently last year uh, there was this hit song called uh, "Daumoda" by Jador, and this was sort of a trap tinged manele, right? And even manele purists were. Jokingly saying, "Like, what? What is this?" Right? <laughs> it's it's constantly uh, adapting, constantly evolving, and it doesn't really let you appropriate it. It's this it's it, it's this intangible thing. And that's what what I found so what I find so impressive that it escapes uh, co-optation, which was effortlessly because it's it's not cool like hip hop. That's the thing. It's not you. you listen to hip hop, and you're like, okay, this is this is cool. And then you listen to Manele, and it's 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 not it's not cool in that sense. You know, it's a bit ridiculous, right? It's it's something that you wouldn't brag about in in a Romanian you know, polite society, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah.
0: Hmm. yeah I think. The most import, uh, interesting part for me is, of course, the the critique on it, or like the bad press of yeah. Manele. So if we could speak a, a little about that. Uh, yeah, wh- Where does it come from? And um, yeah, you use this term camp aesthetic. Yeah. I'm curious about this term as well.
1: Yeah, so the hate comes from, like I said, racists. Um, people who um, are classes as well right because they they say oh this is this is something that only uh kokalar listen to so this term is a very interesting one uh, i don't know if you're familiar with the uh, hopniks in in eastern europe like the squatting slav in tracksuits.
0: not um, really no
1: so yeah like like working class youths right in in eastern europe um they're called hopniks or you know squatting slabs and tracksuits. that's a meme used in the west you know they wear all adidas tracksuits. they have you know their bottle of vodka and their cigarettes they're usually nihilistic in romania um, they're called cocalar and it's used in a very negative you know as as a pejorative right if you call if you're called a cocalar uh, but i find i find them so impressive right because they they're not like the Hopniks. They're, um, they're like the metrosexuals of yore, right? Their, their beards and eyebrows are impeccable, right? Like they, their, skincare, their skincare routines, you know, they, they look really, really good. They prefer suits, right? And they, they take care of themselves, right? It's this, this very interesting subculture that people love to hate on, uh, because of this you know, class element, because of the race element, and also because um, if you are a pedant, right in Romania, people love correcting you if you say something wrong. In Romania, there's even a there's even a show I think where this public intellectual sort of gives you lectures on how to say certain Romanian words right, and I find that absolutely insufferable. I, and, and Manila songs sound, you know, sound like they're sometimes grammatically incorrect, right? Like um, there's even a parody of a Manila song that used to be popular back, back then, back in the 90s, I think. Um, but people mistook it for an actual Manila song, right? It's, it's, it's like you, you, you don't really know if it's a parody or not, you know. Um, the biggest critic was this Romanian guy called uh, Giorgio Purtano. Just, just he he looks like um, he looks like a statue. You know, he he looks <laughs> like he's one of those Easter Island statues, heart of stone, uh, just an insufferable individual who just who, you know there, there's a debate between him and two very famous manalist on, online. You know, It's on YouTube. And of course, they make fun of him for being, you know, such a stick in the mud. And he's like, oh, why don't you, you know, sing opera if you're so, you know, if you're so talented, just sing some opera for me right now. It's, yeah, it's (laughs) such a, such an irritating uh, move, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I already know what to expect when someone tells me that they hate Manele. They don't, they don't dislike this genre simply as, you know, I'm not into, I don't know, trance or... I'm not into reggae that much whatever they they hate it mostly for, for a reason right?
0: and most of the the artists who who created are um, the people from the Roma community is that right or
1: yeah yeah mostly yes um, some of them might not be Roma um, but I'm not so sure but yeah mo- most of them are aroma and this, this plays into this you know stereotyping and it's the the racism is just just like next level right it's it's very bad and Manila is sort of like people point at Manele and say oh look see you know
0: yeah it, yeah, it sort yeah. of
1: plays into that
0: can you tell a little more about uh, yeah contextualize that um- yeah, um, history racism. of the Roma community in Romania and how it plays into the situation of, of those communities today?
1: Well, as far as I know, the um, Roma were probably, you know, they're, they're everywhere in Europe, right? But it's only in the Danubian principalities, right? Like what Romania was before, that they were enslaved. Like in, if slaves in the sort of, American sense, right? Like you would, you would buy and sell human beings to to be used as labor, as servants. Uh, the church used to own slaves, right? Um, so that which, that's which
0: a, time are we talking about? What is the time frame of that?
1: Apparently, I guess um, maybe from the 16th century uh, to the 19th. Mm-hmm. Right, so. I guess it's, yeah, it's definitely like 500 years of, of slavery, more or less. Yeah, and abolition came around uh, the same time as, you know, the, the abolition movements in, in the Americas, right? We, we even had a, an Uncle Tom's Cabin, but the Romanian version of, of Uncle Tom's Cabin, right? To oh, wow. convince people, see, racism is, is bad, you know. Like a, yeah, un- Uncle Tom's Cabin is a very... Uh, is not is not a very good book, but it was good, you know, at the, at the time to convince people that see, are human beings too.
0: To start some process,
1: exactly. Um, but I I grew up just surrounded by this vicious this um, virulent racism. Uh, looking back, it's, it's it seems even more disturbing now. Uh, it definitely hasn't changed much. Um, um, my parents' generation, oh my god, they they really, really despise varoma and they use like um terms that I would uh classify as eugenicists, right? Like they they want to root out varoma, like they're parasites, you know, in online forums, right? Like even on Facebook, you get horrible comments basically saying that you know. Um, the fascists should have um, done their work properly or, you know, horrible things like that. And this is, this is stuff that you, that you hear, you know? Uh, I, I remember the first time I ever heard someone say something nice about the Roma. I, I even remember when it happened. I was like twenty twenty five, 25. And we had a professor in, in college who uh, told us, well, you know, the, Roma were slaves and we treat them like shit and I was like oh I remember thinking this is the first moment someone actually said something well not nice but
0: something that was
1: yeah that was actually that was actually real that wasn't just coming out of a place of, of hate right it's it's pretty bad um I don't know about other people's uh experience but um it's definitely the world I was uh I was growing up in.
0: And what is the percentage of Roma people living in Romania?
1: I guess about ten percent, maybe or less. Uh, they're not that many, right? Um, that's yeah, people who identify as as Roma, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, you 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 do get you know people who are of Roma ancestry, right? In in Eastern Europe, it's all it's all like a mix, right? Especially uh, especially in my region, you know, you had a lot of Roma, uh, you had a huge Jewish population, you have a lot of uh, uh, Hungarians or a certain Hungarian ethnicity. It's, it's all it's all pretty mixed, right? But people who identify 100% as Roma, I guess, probably less than 10%, 10% but I may be wrong.
0: And what what is their situation of living is it people living in, like, below poverty level or is it, like, mixed? Can you generalize it this way or...?
1: Um, I I don't know if I can generalize it that way, uh, but, but yeah, um, there are Roma communities uh, that are struggling, right? And, and during the coronavirus pandemic, you know, last year, uh, there has been some, you know, hardcore police brutality in those communities, right? Because you know, oh, they need to police uh, these unruly people or something like that. And a lot of videos surfaced that were uh, very hard to watch, you know, just just pinning young people down and, you know, sitting on their, their head and stuff like that, uh, which, you know, reminded me of what was happening uh, in America around the same time, right? Mm. Um, of course, there are, there are Roman, uh, Roma activists uh, nowadays who are, who are working... You know, to uh, to improve, to improve this. You know, fighting against racism, um, and you know, they're, they're really interesting people. Um, of course, yeah. It's um, I would I would want them to um, define their their own terms, right? So, if, because Romanians are like, oh, you you should integrate, you should do this, X, Y, and Z, right? But. It's up to them. It's 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 their thing, right? It's it's up to them to, to to fight this this fight because a Romanian intermediary might scramble that that message. Um, I liked uh, what the uh, South African activist uh, Stephen Biko said about this. You know, he, he said something like like that. You know, you you should exclude the, the white man from this you know process of deciding what we what we want because. We we know what's what's important for us, right? Like the people of color in in South Africa, right?
0: Definitely. Yeah, I think that's um, very important uh, to understand also for for us white people. I mean, I consider yeah. myself in this group. That uh, no matter how much we learn and learn uh, and you know inform ourselves, it's still. You know, we, we, we w- will never feel it or...
1: Yeah, it's... In, w- one interesting thing, though, about Romanians in Roma is that when you go to Spain or Italy or, you know, one of these countries that Romanians move to and never come back, um, you experience racism, right? Um, but when you experience racism as a, as a Romanian, you know, people view you as, as Roma, Right so there's this interesting sort of process of scapegoating where romanians go no 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 that, that's that's not the person you should hate you should, you know it's it's the roma right like oh because of the roma you know they they pin it on them we have this bad reputation and therefore where we're all sort of under this, this umbrella right yeah. so it's it's interesting this should have been a moment of solidarity like you experience this discrimination in spain and then you're like oh this is what it feels like you you can't rent an apartment because uh, people look at your last name and then you should be able to make the next logical step wait this is what you know roma must be experiencing because of us stuff like that yeah
0: but unfortunately the yeah this uh, yeah, in a lot of cases this is not the the natural process of people kind of analyzing things yeah. From here on, uh, yeah, I think uh, it would be nice now to speak a little bit about the, the Romanian New Wave. And mm-hmm. then we will again come back uh, to Manele and how those two can somehow uh, lead us in some other directions. So, yeah, the Romanian New Wave, if you could, uh, for people who don't know what it is, to, to say a little bit about that.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's, um, well, directors are hesitant uh, to call it a, a movement, like they don't consider themselves to be part of a movement, but people just say, oh, it's, it's a movement, whatever. Um, it just uh, appeared out of the blue uh, with a certain movie, um, "Bani Shimarfa, called, you know, in, in English, it's Stuff and Dough, doesn't make any sense, uh, by Christy Um And from, from then on, just, you know, they just started churning out really good Movies that have won a lot of awards at, you know, Cannes and you know a lot of Palm Doors, a lot of uh, international artsy festivals, um, and very, very usually uh, three or four major directors that people um, know about: uh, Cristi Puiu, Mungiu, and Poromboyu. right? And of course, there's also Radu Jude, but he's like another generation. Um, and the new wave kind of has this thing in common with, with Manela that, you know, people in Romania don't really want to go see these movies, you know, they, they don't have this massive box office success in, in Romania, right? Uh, and I thought this was merely anecdotal, right, that, oh, you know, people don't want to go see a movie that's basically three hours of a guy eating soup, this is the, this is the joke. This is the cliche about uh, these modern remaining movies. They're all minimalist. Nothing happens. It's just a guy eating soup for three hours. But I'd like to add, it's not just eating soup, but you also have a fight and an argument with everyone around you for three hours, right? Because that's mostly what these movies are are about. They're about this this social friction, right? Um, and I, I mentioned in, my, uh, in the text I sent you this book by uh, Mircea Valerio D'Akve. He, he wrote that, you know, obviously people don't want to go see these movies because they remind them of difficult social situations that they find themselves in. And, of course, they don't want to relive the trauma. They don't want to get scarred. Because as, as a Romanian watching these movies, the but, but dialogue is just so realistic you know, because it's, it's inspired by Italian neo-real, neorealism, right? It's just, no, nothing is stylized. It's not like the French New Wave where it's, you know, zany and a bit whimsical. It's all like 100% this is what it's like. Um, you, you, you might get a panic attack, right? I, I remember ha- having one, like watching uh, this movie uh, Principi di Viazza, it was, it was absolutely, I don't know, absolutely horrible. <laughs> I, I felt sick to my stomach, right? And it's just, it's just dialogue, but that's, that's enough to trigger people.
0: How, how do they, the, the makers of those films, how do they justify the way they, they create? Why Why do they do that?
1: Well, uh DACA thinks it's because that's what gets gets you prizes at Cannes, right? Uh <laughs> they they do it intentionally and this is this is something I've heard uh many times from you know from different uh, acquaintances and people I know, people I've met and talked to about the new wave. They're like oh, of course they win awards because, because they show Romania in this negative light. You know, that's what the West wants. They want <laughs> to tear us down. They want to see us dragged through the mud. You know, and these are, these are real conversations I've had. I mean, people really think that we are making, you know, these, these directors are making these movies to appeal to a Western audience, right? And to sort of make it as miserable as possible, to get to get awards, you know, because you know, the more horrible and minimalist the movie is, it's uh, it's art, ulala, you know, Ha-ha-ha. but uh, mm-hmm. I I doubt I doubt that that's the case. I mean, they, these directors are are pretty accomplished uh, at their craft, so I think they just want to tell these these stories. If it's just it's just in them, it's waiting to come out. Of this these stories about my you know migrating you know immigration uh, about mm, intergenerational trauma about uh, a, a lot of a lot of things that people find find difficult in in contemporary Romanian mm,
0: but it, it could be seen as this quite um, common exotization of of yeah. uh, of the east right I don't know if that's why it's so popular in uh, outside of Romania, but I mean, I saw it quite a lot with certain type of artworks that got a lot of exposure and it was definitely, yeah, making, you know, the, the Eastern countries, yeah, exotic and interesting and kind of broken and <coughs> so, yeah. It could be, I could believe that, you know, that that's why it, I'm not sure that's the intention and that's why the directors do it, but maybe that's why they do get so many awards because the audience enjoys that.
1: Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, it's it's definitely something that um, people here in Spain enjoy. I'm seeing this sort of uh, Romanian culture boom, at least here in, in Spain and in Catalonia, I see Romanian um, offers getting translated um, very, very, very everywhere, right? And Romanian movies being exhibited um, at the Filmoteca de Catalunya. Yeah, very, very interested in in these these exotic stories of that we don't really, like, don't really understand this world. I guess I went to see a movie actually with uh, two of my Romanian friends. It was. Um, Ivana Chagroznica, which is uh, made by this, this Serbian uh, director who came to to Romania and sort of got adopted, you know, by the the new wave movement, let's say. And I, I was I was laughing my ass off the whole time. I mean, it was it was a very painfully awkward movie, and we were laughing. We were like, oh my god, you know, this this is exactly like home, whatever. And we were the only ones laughing. And after the movie, like a lot of people came up to us and were like. You know why? Why were you laughing? You know they were asking us in Spanish like why, why, why were you laughing? Did we did we miss something? You know like, but we we were laughing because there was something about this thing that they 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 looked at and considered exotic that we were sort of tickled by in a way. It was it was painful. It was a painful movie because it's about this um this person's breakdown right because of stress, but it was. I don't know. We were we felt uncomfortable, and when when you know, when you you were uncomfortable, you start laughing at at the wrong moments. You know, that's what it usually happens. You know, like funerals or whatever. Say, so. yeah.
0: Do those film do those films also uh, have like humor in them? Are they considered like black comedies?
1: Yeah, I, mostly an, an unintentional, I guess. You. You kinda of choose what you want to laugh at, right? When uh, when you see something that reminds you of, oh shit, this is what this is what I you know I went through, or I have that same uh, pot and pan in my kitchen, right? This, this actually <laughs> happened and we, we started laughing because my, my grandma had had the exact same sort of kitschy pot with a sort of rose pattern yeah, on it. Yeah. You look at that and you're like, oh yeah. There's a lot of detail that, that makes you laugh and especially with the dialogues because they're, they're real and you, you get something that, that reminds you of maybe you know, pleasant conversations, but also the, this social friction, right? That, that makes you go, eh, you know, it, it makes you uncomfortable, but also makes you, makes you laugh uncomfortably.
0: And I guess since you, the last uh, movie uh, you watched, actually already living in Spain, so maybe that's, you know, adds to this nostalgia and this uh, homesickness. I don't know. Maybe if
1: yeah. you would
0: be back uh, in Romania, you would see the movie in a different light.
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, th- things are really really different here in, in a lot of ways. Right, like when I'm in Romania. I'm I'm like a fish in in water. I, I don't I don't see the water anymore, but here in Spain, you know, I can definitely analyze the, the water at a <laughs> safe distance. Uh, but yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, both uh, both of those um, cultural trends. Uh, The Manela subculture and the Romanian new wave uh, do involve a certain uh, amount of stress. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yes, uh, also connected to the bad press, but also that, uh, yeah, the unwillingness of people uh, to to consume them in a way. And also you wrote about yeah mental health and stress in connection to those so i think now would be nice uh, to actually speak about that uh, about why you decided to write about both both of them in one um, essay yeah. A- and then i think I w- we will continue uh, talking about the potential you see in both of those um, movements
1: well, I'm, I'm interested in, in stress in the sense of, of biopolitics, right? So um, the sort of mainstream ideas get filtered through your, your body. You know, it, it, it does something to you, right? Um, this is something I find in writers like Mark Fisher or uh, the Korean-German uh, philosopher Byung-Chul Han, who is amazing I can't recommend him enough um, and in the case of new wave and Manele I'd say people re- re- reject them in in a weird sort of way that that means rejecting catharsis, right in a in that artistic sense right? watching these movies sure they they uh, put you in difficult situations. They, they show you these these traumas that most of us have have lived through. But it might also be a way of processing them, right? And in Manila, the reason why it was adopted by you know left leaning hipsters is to try to connect, you know, to, to construct this build this bridge that that this insurmountable gap between, you know, mainstream public uh, or people that technically don't listen to Manele and the world of, of Manele. Uh, because Manele can really lighten up the mood, you know, they, they, they're the life of a party, right? Refusing to listen to Manele means you are, well, you're, you're a wet blanket, you're, you're made of stone, just like that. Critic, I told you about Pruthanu, and you're you're basically re- refusing fun, which is which is the um, the main thing that uh, Susan Sontag talks about in in Notes on Camp. People who reject campiness um, basically limits their potential for enjoyment. They only want high art. They only want opera. They only want this you know highfalutin stuff and they don't want these, um, not only pop, but let's say um, these more natural forms of expression, right, like that, that speak to everyday uh, problems, right? Manila uh, are very relatable sometimes, right? Yeah, I, I believe that Their refusal, like the Romanian public, the greater public's refusal to engage with the new wave and Manele, um, could be this this weird mismanagement of of stress, right? And this refusal to deal with very difficult social problems and how they're impacting our bodies. Romanians, according to some surveys, are some of the most stressed Europeans, right? and we, like, one in three Romanians has a digestive disorder because of uh, because of stress, you know, uh, myself included, and most of my family included, right? If it's something that affects you somatically, right? It's all very psychosomatic in the way it relates to culture, I guess.
0: So you argue that uh, through listening to this music you could kind of Maybe subconsciously heal some traumas
1: yeah yeah it it in my case, it definitely um helped with my well, not inner child, but let's say my my teenage me you know who who wouldn't listen to uh, to Manele um, I guess it sort of pa- papered um, papered over that sort of embarrassing. Self at, at Stefan, who didn't know much about Romanian history, didn't know so much about, you know, em, em, emancipatory pro- projects. And I think it could be an emancipatory project. It could, be, it could potentially be part of a project, but Manele couldn't be used in the sense that 60s music was used, right, because it's not self-aware, it's not Intentionally political, like some some hip hop is right, like the the roots or um, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Manele inhabit this different realm, and you listen to them and you access their power, right? Their this heterogeneous space in the homogenous Romanian society, and when you access Manele, you also access those hidden reserves of power, you know, Adriansky wrote that listening to Manele creates this sort of magic feel where you feel all powerful, like during a Manele performance, you, you feel as part of the audience that you can be, you know, you can, you can be anything. You feel that energy and that power. And yeah, definitely. If you go to a Manele concert, I went to a Florin Salam concert and he's just, he's like the Tasmanian devil you know, he's just uh, he's not on drugs he is drugs, you know, like that that (laughs) Dali quote
0: well, uh, let's listen then to uh, Florin Salam and his most famous uh, single, Saint-Tropez St. (laughs) Tropez La vostru Sorin Salam, mai nou, brilianțul României! Pentru dosfacții, care nu să-și facă viața. Respect maxim pentru ei. Unde va? Un, două, trei, nu voi amvocani, și hai să vă distrați. Hai să vă distrați oh. ah, lelele, hailele! Să cheltuim pani, pani, pani! Ami, ami, că ne trec a nimeni wow. Ah, le, 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 ah le, le, le,
1: le. în vacanțe Pe la Saint-Tropez
0: Prin medica și prima Africa Pe ce viața Raga, la da Ai în vacanțe, oh, oh, Pe
1: la Saint-Tropez oh, oh, Ia și ne va sta Da, amanta Că-i frumoasă viața Raga, raga, raga
0: Amazing. That was a nice uh, intermission. And what about uh, the new wave? So from from what you were telling me, watching it is rather painful than healing. But where do you see then the the potential in those um, art forms?
1: Well, I I do see some potential um, with... Some directors, like, for example, Radu Jude, who directed Aferim uh, about Roma slavery, or um, his movie about Holocaust, they they are not very, well, they are a bit blunt um, pedagogically, let's say, uh, very heavy-handed with a message, but they're still very entertaining movies and they do inform a lot of people about aspects of our history that you know, people just don't, don't want to hear about or that some people simply reject outright. Um, with with Aferim, uh, it was actually one of the most uh, successful movies of 2015. Like it was, it was a box office hit. You know, it, people wanted to, to to go see this movie that was set in 19th century Romania, where the sets were absolutely gorgeous. The language was pretty much accurate. You know, you, you needed subtitles for that stuff, um, and it was it was very controversial. I think that helped, um, and I think the movies do have a potential. But I'm I'm sort of waiting for a, a different kind of wave, right? I've been watching a lot of um, for third world cinema, you know, um, like Glauer um, Horsha, Kid Latahimik, Diop Djokman Betty, you know, like um, these directors that are. Obviously, like very political, and who make movies to inform and to basically, um, basically radicalize, right? They they have a certain vision. They critique uh, American imperialism and colonialism because it's like a sort of post colonial um, cinema movement, right? Cinematic movement. Um, I don't think. Romania, Romanian movies address these issues um, that bluntly. Uh, yet, right? But, but who knows? Right? Uh, in Greece, you you get a lot of weird movies, um, like Greek uh, weird movies, like the new weird uh, that are sort of like the indirect result of uh, of their economic troubles. Um, who knows if Romania gets um, sort of second movement or. a a new wave 2.0. That's that's more political, or that's willing to take more risks. That's not just you know a, a min- minimalist movie about a guy eating soup for three hours. You know, we're very good at indirectly, you know, simply alluding to a lot of the problems that we have. But I don't know. I I, I think I'd I'd like something uh, more adventurous in the future. Who knows.
0: I'm thinking about those generations who refuse to speak about the past because the trauma is so strong. You know, there's you were writing about it, but also in my other interviews, uh, this thing really comes back in various other Eastern European countries that it's difficult to talk with your grandparents, even parents about certain things, even my parents, they are quite skeptical about why I do this whole podcast and dig into the history, which kind of wants to be, uh, yeah, it's better if if we don't remember how, what it was or I don't know how it was because I didn't live through this, you know, this uh, typical comments, of course. But I wonder if this kind of shock therapy really like confronting people with this harsh reality is the strategy to deal with the trauma, you know, like it's it's interesting to, maybe it is, I don't know, but like there's so much pain and so much like really heavy feelings uh, and trauma coming with it. So yeah, I'm thinking of, of all those people, you know, like we cannot just leave them uh, to just deal with their own things, you know. It would be interesting to find a form where not only us young people can gain from it, but also those who actually were confronted with this histories directly
1: yeah i'm i'm actually trying to think of a way uh, for myself personally like i'm not trying to construct a, a system or anything but trying to find aspects of of remaining culture that i could i could use that i could i could latch onto that are are something that a lot of people in Romania also latch on to. Like, I'm trying, for example, to to integrate within myself um, the teachings of um, the Orthodox Church, right? But not the Orthodox Church as it is now as an institution. Obviously, it's absolutely terrible, but I've been reading a lot about the the Russian cosmists. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about the the cosmists, um, Nikolai Fedorov. Uh, this is this is, the most, this is the craziest thing. These are the craziest things I've ever read, like honestly. These are like radical Orthodox theologians with a strong sort of um, liberation theology bent, right? Like They they're for like sort of like universal emancipation for humankind in a sort of Star Trek way. So it's basically Orthodox Star Trek. Right. They envision a sort of technological future where they uh, do away with death, with illness, with a lot of our problems. Like they think big, but in a, in a very you know, crazy way, just like it, that I found very inspirational and, and sort of made me think, well, these are, there are some things that I could, I could use in a very heterodox way, ironically, you know, using orthodoxy heterodoxically. Um because like you said, this this generation gap can create a lot of resentment and this this friction can create a lot of, you know hate. you know, it's it is very tricky not to fall into that trap where you you know you hate your parents or your parents' generation for not being as open-minded as, as you are or mm-hmm. um, or you know not being um, you know, uh, in line with all these, mm-hmm. New tr- new things like oh, LGBT or stuff like that, right? Because for, for my parents, it's you know, it's something new. For a lot of people, it's something very scary in in Romania, right? We we only now we've we've started to have this this reckoning um, in terms of you know these uh, progressive movements like uh, anti racism, LGBT, uh, all of that. Um, I guess, yeah, what, what I would recommend is, is empathy and, and compassion, I guess. Um, you know, we're, we're all in it together. It sounds like a, like a cliche, but, but still, I, I still think we, we could make it, um, we could do this in a radical way too, right? Not, not accepting what, uh. Sort of the West imposes as normal on uh, on our country's economies, for example, and stuff like that.
0: Definitely, yeah. I think it's a nice uh, cliche or not cliche way to round it yeah. up. Uh, always at the end, uh, I'm asking about. Um, I'd like to finish on speaking about food, uh, food mm-hmm. from home. Uh, you live or lived in quite some. Places, so I don't know where do you feel home, but yeah, what is the food you you consider as being the the favorite from home?
1: Well, uh, that, that's really that's really tricky. Um, it's tricky because last year uh, I got really sick and I found out that I had celiac disease, so I can't physically eat anything from Romania anymore. Oh
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> so that,
1: that's uh that's a a bummer right that's a terrible way to end a podcast about you know kitchen conversations but but yes i used to i used to like um this uh soup this sort of bean soup that you could eat out of a, a bread container and the container was is ah, bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah
1: um it was my uh, comfort food when i was a student uh now it's it's impossible for me to eat that um, because that would poison me. So, so, yeah, that's why Spain is a good choice uh, what, bi- what, biopolitically.
0: <laughs> what can you eat now in Spain which, which you really enjoy eating?
1: Well, um, I, I usually have, well, I can have paella. Right, that's uh, that can be gluten free. You know, uh, rice is always okay. It's a lot of seafood, a lot of fish, right? So all, all very healthy. All, all I need to do is avoid bread. Um, and people here lo- love bread, but they they also focus on yeah uh, other things that I consider more more of a healthy option.
0: Very good. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Stefan, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, all your research and your thoughts. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to your new text. Please send me uh, if you have anything new. I really enjoy how you write. It's very accessible, I think, to, to other people. And I think that's very important uh, with theory and research that not only academics can um, uh, understand, but also people who are just curious
1: yeah yeah thank you i i try to make it um as accessible as possible because i i just write the way i I talk to people
0: nice thank you so much
1: thank you for having me
0: You were listening to Kitchen Conversations. Please see the show notes for all the references made during our conversation. Hope you had a good time listening. Until next time.